Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Just uh, still enjoying a victory week for week one, and um, we're starting off two weeks in a row on the road, um, which is a little odd, and watch Thursday Night Football, which was somewhat entertaining i mean mean, it was entertaining if you had no but uh all of my fantasy opponents seem to have somebody doing great in that game so here's the thing is that i did have Devontae smith in one to me it is always entertaining to watch the vikings lose so that's a that's a win right there for me um and i i was fairly stress-free about that particular outcome i didn't think they were going to come back and win it got a little got a little close for a second but it's always good when i i guess i just told myself it's not going to happen again this year. It's always good when your NFC North competition loses, is moral of the story. But anyways, we it, are here coming to you on a Thursday night. It is a night. material benefit to the oh, Packers yes. when yes. the Vikings lose. 100%. Um, but we are coming here to you live on a Thursday night, and we are here to talk to you a little bit, uh, doing our pregame for the Atlanta Falcons game on Sunday. Uh, Packers will be playing in Atlanta. We'll be talking all about that. Um we be doing these uh, pre-games every single week, um, usually on Thursday nights. And then we'll be doing post-games after the game, uh, usually on Monday nights, after we have a little time to let the game settle and really look at it and rewatch it. Um, but yeah, so we're doing two episodes every week now in season, so come check it out. Uh, if you like what you hear today, uh, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, articles we find interesting, um, pieces of Packers news, uh, videos we find interesting, breakdowns, etc., etc. Uh, and if you like what you hear here even more today, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Google Podcasts, Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. If you subscribe to us there, we would really appreciate it because it would really help our numbers. But so those are the pitches. Uh, if you've heard us before, you've heard those pitches before, but we're going to keep doing them and we're just going to keep doing them and doing them and doing them. But like we said, Dad, we're going to be breaking down everything we think we want to keep an eye on for this Falcons game as the Packers try to move to 2-0 and and try and hold that lead with first and first with a tiebreaker for the NFC North. But before we do that, we just wanted to touch on one piece of news. And that is that the Packers have signed guard Michael Jordan to the practice squad, uh, cutting tight end Austin Allen. Not uh, that one. Not that one. Not number 20. Not shooting guard Michael Jordan. <laughs> offensive guard Michael Jordan. Um, but yeah, so some addition to the practice squad there. Um, moving on from Austin Allen, I think just makes me think that they were pretty happy with what they saw out of Sims on Sunday. Uh, and it that's like how played... I took it too. They must have been quite happy with how Sims played, and because I, I was a little surprised that they they when it, when I first saw that Allen was cut, they don't have a tight end on the practice squad. So, I mean, it has to mean that they're they feel good about uh, Sims being their sort of blocking tight end going forward. Yeah, and I thought Sims played pretty well in the the parts that he was like noticeable. I don't think he made any egregious errors. He blocked pretty well. Looks pretty good in that eighty nine. But yeah, pretty good day. Pretty. Pretty good day from Sims. Um, I thought Austin Allen looked pretty good in the preseason, though, so I'm sure he'll catch on somewhere. But that's pretty much the only news and notes for the Packers. Um, But, Dad, let's move on into previewing this game. And let's start with the injury report. So this is Thursday. We don't have the official out, questionable, doubtful, etc. list. Um, But we do have some updates uh, for both the Packers and the Falcons from this injury report. And just to read them off really quick. So we are recording Thursday, like we said, so we only have the updates up to Thursday. But so for the Packers, David Bakhtiari has not practiced yet this week, which is to be expected. Still vet rest for his knee. Uh, Romeo Dobbs has been limited both Wednesday and Thursday with his hamstring injury, but it's good to see that he hasn't moved backwards. 
Rashawn Gary has been limited Wednesday and Thursday with his knee, obviously just giving him some time. Elton Jenkins has been limited with a knee injury uh, Wednesday and Thursday, but still a limited participant. Anthony Johnson Jr. has been a full participant both Wednesday and Thursday with a knee injury, presumably the same one that he uh, suffered during um, preseason practices. Um, Aaron Jones with a hamstring has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second because that is a bit concerning. Uh, Quay Walker has been in the concussion protocol. He did not uh, practice on Wednesday, but he was a limited participant on Thursday, so it sounds like he's at least moving through that protocol. That's a good sign that he's progressing. He has a chance for Sunday to play, but we'll see. It'll all depend on how he looks on Friday and moving into Sunday. Christian Watson has not practiced either Wednesday or Thursday with the same hamstring injury that kept him out last week. And then um, Daniel Whelan popped up on the injury report today as a full yeah, participant, though, with a finger injury. So nothing really to – just something to keep an eye on, but nothing that I'm overly concerned about. Unless he starts dropping holds, and then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> but he was a full participant in practice, so nothing too bad. And then on the Falcons side, uh, Troy Anderson, their linebacker, uh, has a concussion and hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Calais Campbell, their defensive lineman who they added in free agency, is a really good player. Um, did not practice on Wednesday, but wasn't on the injury report Thursday, and it looks like that was just vet rest. Uh, Jeff Akuda, who they traded for previously, a third overall pick for the Lions for a uh, corner, um, with a foot injury, was a limited participant on both Wednesday and Thursday. Cordero Patterson with a thigh injury, uh, full participant both Wednesday and Thursday. He didn't play in the last game, though, but it is good to and see. And neither did Akuda. Yes, neither did Akuda. Good, good So note. they might be getting both of those guys back this week that they didn't have last week. Yes, and then John Smith, uh, also vet rest, did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but did participate on Thursday. Now, Dad, I think the biggest one to keep an eye on here is Aaron Jones. So with Aaron Jones not practicing today, it doesn't bode well for Sunday. And so this is from Dr. Edwin Porras on Twitter, at FB Injury Doc. This So since 2018, there have been 17 qualified running backs who missed two days of practice in a row. And of those 17, only two ended up playing that week, 11%. So essentially, only a 1 in 10 chance that Aaron Jones ends up suiting up on Sunday. I know he said he wasn't particularly worried about it. I know Matt LaFleur said he's going to give him up till Sunday to play. But that's the one I'm keeping my eye on because if he doesn't move to at least limited tomorrow, I'm going to be pretty concerned about whether or not he's going to play. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it would be a lot better if he was uh, able to do something. Though maybe he did he have his helmet on for he, an outside has... a little bit today. So it was a little bit. Even though he's still listed as a DNP, it seemed like he progressed a little bit from Wednesday yes. in terms so on... of being visible outside and doing some stretching. Yeah, because on Wednesday they said he was. I think the quote was nowhere to be found on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, he was outside with his helmet on. So that is, that's a step. That's a, that's a little step. I mean, we said after the game, it's like, okay, just bubble wrap him until the game. But, that's true. But yeah. from our perspective, we don't know if that's what they're doing. Yeah. From the outside, it's like, it's, it could mean that they're just going to give him as, as much time as possible before the game to, to rest and they want to do anything. Or it could be more than that. We just don't know. Yeah, and we talked about this in the post-game pod for the Bears pod, but there was such a notable difference in the drives that had Aaron Jones versus the drives that did not have Aaron Jones. Uh, all four of the drives that had Aaron Jones ended up being scoring drives, three of them a touchdown, and one of them a field goal. And then the ones that didn't, I mean, we talked about it in the first half of that Bears game. They essentially did three straight drives in the middle of that first half where they didn't score any points and just went through. They had one first yeah, down, two yeah. three and outs. I was say, a couple three and outs. Yeah, so 
there's a tangible difference when Aaron Jones is out there and when he's not out there. So that's definitely something to be concerned about, I think. Um, but, Dad, do you want to move into the meat of this game preview? Anything else you want to know? Well, I would game? just say about oh. Chris, Christian Watson um, still not practicing. He was saying that maybe there's a chance that he would play this week, but that was a couple of days ago before practices started. So I would say with each day, it gets less likely that he plays this week. Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, you know, I realized there was something I wanted to bounce off of you. And something I had actually looked at and I uh, hadn't written down in our planning doc, but I'm going to bounce it off you. Um, this is just my theory and like my slight fear. I'm not sure David Bakhtiari plays in this game. Um, so he hasn't practiced either of the days, which is not the reason why I don't think he might not play. Don't think he might play. Either way. However you say it. Want to say it. Um, Atlanta plays turf. Um, and... David Bakhtiari, so let's go back to last year. Last year, the Packers played one game on turf, or David Bakhtiari was active for one game that the Packers played on turf, and that was at the Lions in week nine. And David Bakhtiari had to leave at halftime of that game and did not come back because his knee flared up on him. And so that was on turf. It's the only game he played on turf all year. This Fast forward to this past week, obviously Aaron Rodgers' injury, really horrible happened on the MetLife turf. And if you didn't see it, David Bakhtiari essentially went on a pretty long thread talking about how he thought that this injury would not occur on grass. Now there's a lot of statistical evidence to back up that um, injuries, especially like ligament injuries are more common on artificial grass than on natural grass. Um, that's been well-documented and he has put out a lot of statements. He went on the Rich Eisen show to talk about how the players need to stand up and like advocate for more natural grass fields and the NFLPA, the players association put out a statement about how they want more natural grass fields and to move away, start moving away from artificial grass. And so I think the combination of the fact that his knee flared up on him on artificial turf, the last time he played on it, um, Aaron Rodgers injury on Monday and, and uh, the possibility that the artificial grass had something to do with it. And then the fact that he's made a lot of statements about how he thinks that this artificial grass is a huge problem for players, which, you know, there's definitely an argument there and, and you can see like the argument that he has there that statistically more injuries happen on it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either to protect his knee or to make a statement with regards to how important he thinks moving to natural grasses. Uh, I think keeping an eye on his status for this game in particular is something we should do because I think there is a world in which he does not play on Sunday. What do you think? I hadn't realized that the only game he played on um, turf last year was the Lions where he didn't finish the game. Um, so that's something I hadn't considered. I felt like today, was it today or yesterday, he had walked back a little bit of his rhetoric about the turf in terms of uh, the players making a statement. It's like, they're not going to do anything because we say so. The only person who could change is the, the fans. I did, I did um, see that quote today. So it makes me think that maybe he's a little less likely to make a statement as a player if he thinks it's the fans that have any power to do anything but but again the the the, the last year thing i hadn't um considered so yeah but that was just yeah, something know. that i had thought of the other day and, and if he doesn't go it would probably be rashid walker left tackle um but it's something it looks to, like it based on what they did in the uh preseason yeah but it's i i think it's something to certainly keep an eye on because you know, the, the fact that the one time, and even if he does play, maybe he doesn't make it through the whole game. And so I think, you know, Rashid Walker would be someone to keep an eye on either way, even if he does start that end up starting the game. What would you um, put the over under on David Bakhtiari practices for the season? 
oh goodness for the season. Um, is it? Is it? Does it get into double digits? No, no. I would. I would say like. I don't. Yeah, that's less than one a week. I would say eight, eight and, and a half. half. Yeah, would be the one over every, under. One every two weeks. Yeah, and I'd probably take the under. At like, because <laughs> you just set the line yourself, and I'm going to take the under. I'm that guy's a under. sucker. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, House always loses. Um, but yeah, no, because just like we've seen it, he played. He played amazing last week, and then hadn't practiced yeah. in two and a half weeks. So it's like, okay, he was having a good old time too when yes. they were leading, yes. um, interacting I mean, with the Chicago crowd. Even before he was, before they were leaving, he was he was flipping off the crowd, which is amazing. He I think, was, yeah. Was did you see the the thing that was like, dancing ever... and like posing on the ground? To the... Yeah, he did was you... he was enjoying himself. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you can say about Bakhtiari, I mean, it always does seem like he's having fun out there. But anyway, yes, Dad, especially if you see him at a, like a Bucks game or somewhere. Oh yes, I mean he's he's living his life. He's having a great time. But let's move on to the actual preview, the rest of this preview, and our analysis, things we're looking for, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for this game against the Falcons. And just to set it up, here are a few facts about the game. It will be in Atlanta, one o'clock local time on Sunday afternoon. Currently, the Falcons are favored by two points with an over/under of forty and a half which is an implied score of about 21 to 19 Falcons. The line was initially minus one and a half for the Packers, but has actually just flipped in the last day. Um, interesting on whether or not that's entirely injury report based with Jones not practicing. That would be my guess, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, assumed to be a pretty much a close game and a low scoring game um, is the main takeaways there. But Dad, let's move into looking into the Falcons and what they've been up to. So if you've ever listened to one of our pregames before, um, we essentially just talk a lot about the opponent in these ones. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about Green Bay and how they specifically match up against the Falcons. But the main thing is, we know you know a lot about the Packers. We know you maybe don't know as much about the team they're playing. So we're going to start here with a little brief overview of what's been going on with the Falcons for the past year. So last year, the Falcons went 7-10, and which is the 8th worst record in the league. Uh, on offense... Uh, they had the overall 17th best offense by DVOA. This is That's from FTN, which is the new home of DVOA. Um, however, very diametrically, very similar to the Bears, actually. <laughs> um, 29th yep. ranked in passing. Um, they really struggled to throw with Marcus Mariota at the helm, um, who last year had, this is according to Austin Gale on Twitter, uh, the fourth highest uncatchable throw percentage from clean pockets since 2017, which is really, really bad. Uh, it's down there with like Josh Rosen one year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they were third in rushing by DVOA. Um, and that's their head coach, Arthur Smith's bread and butter. Um, before he was the head coach of the Falcons, he was the offensive coordinator of the Titans with Derrick Henry leading that potent rushing attack. Uh, and then they were fifth in adjusted line yards from FTN, um, which kind of measures essentially how much work the offensive line in particular is doing, uh, in the run game. And we'll talk a little bit about their offensive line later when we talk about strengths of the team. In terms of their defense, their defense was very bottom of the barrel. Uh, as you'll see in this uh, preview, there's a lot of parallels between this team and the Bears. Um, they were overall 31st ranked defense by DVOA, uh, 31st against the pass, uh, 27th against the rush, um, second to last in adjusted line yards on defense. Only Green Bay was worse, so that's like how much your D-line is right. getting pushed back in the run game. So not right. great that's there. A, yeah, I was going to say, I just want to add that was a run, that's a run game line stat. Yes, and so their line was getting pushed around in the run game a lot last year. Um, although I think they do have some bodies there that had down years last year and could possibly bounce back this year. Um, however, also, they've made a bunch of additions to the team to try and shore up these issues. So over this offseason, on defense, uh, they brought in safety Jesse Bates from Cincinnati on a massive deal, um, which has already paid off in Week 1. He had two interceptions and a forced fumble against the Carolina Panthers in Week 1 in their win. Um, 
they also brought in Calais Campbell and David Onyemata to help with their defensive line. Uh, and then they traded for Jeff Okuda and signed Mike Hughes, who were two former highly drafted uh, first-round corners. Um, Okuda with the third pick, and then Mike Hughes was in the 20s, I think, uh, from the Vikings. So two NFC North former corners that I'm sure some Packers fans are very familiar with. Um, but, you know, trying yeah, to the, essentially... The Hughes, the Hughes isn't starting. Maybe he's hurt. I know Okuda's hurt and didn't start. They also added uh, Trey Flowers. Oh, yes, yes. At corner. Um, who is who is starting right um, um, right now? Yeah, that was one more or I, game I one. hadn't gotten to. Um, but yeah, so they're so they're making additions all over their secondary and D line, um, and then beyond that on offense, um, they're now starting second year third round pick quarterback Desmond Ritter uh, as opposed to Mariota, who we spoke about before was struggling a lot last year, and then they drafted Bijan Robinson, one of the best running back prospects of the last twenty years, with the eighth overall pick. Um, so something there. So definitely a lot of changes to this team, a lot of reasons for optimism. And that kind of paid off a little bit in their first week where they beat the Panthers 24 to 10. Dad, you watched this game on the all 22. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you saw in this game from the Falcons specifically? Um, so I would say like, despite winning the game by 14 um, points last week and, and watching it, I felt like there wasn't that much separating the two teams on a play to play basis. The Panthers, yeah, um, I feel like they basically gifted the Falcons those three turnovers. I mean, so there were the the two picks by Bates. Basically, he must have been invisible to the quarterback. He just threw it right to him. Have you um, seen Have you seen the next gen stats chart? They're literally stacked on each other. I thought he only threw one pick for a second because the red <laughs> dots of where Bates picked him off are just right on top of each other. Yeah, and he just just was right there and, and both of them thrown right to him. And so they they kind of I feel like it was like almost an unearned turnover um on, for both of those. It wasn't really that they made a spectacular play, they just it was just a boneheaded play by the Panthers. And and then the and then Sanders fumbled the ball as he was going to the ground deep in Atlanta territory. So I think if if the I feel this is more that the Panthers gave away the game than the Falcons took it because the Panthers were able to move the ball especially after they get they got in the first possession they moved out but then they got stuffed on going forward on fourth and then they had a several kind of you might say were effective drives that were torpedoed by bad mistakes so and, and so the points that Atlanta scored you know, a significant portion of them were because of the Panthers' mistakes that I felt like were unforced errors. So I don't. In watching most of the in watching most of the plays, I didn't see that much separating those two teams. Interesting. Um, how did you feel? Any other feeling on how Atlanta played either way, or do you want to well, move on to? I will side? say that you know both. Bajan and Algier looked good. Mm-hmm. So and, and they were making they were gaining a lot of the yards on their own. Um that the 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 Bijan touchdown on the That's the a sweet the, that was sweet a play. Sweet play. That was sick. I mean it could have been a 5-yard loss or whatever but uh he like as soon as he gets me jukes, moves, runs to a tackle, splits a double team, powers into the end zone. Yeah. I mean he's a freak. It just shows it, um, so much, you know, elite movement skills with the yeah. ball in his hand. I mean, there's and, a reason. And, and, there's a reason he was picked top ten. Like, 
that running yeah. backs never get picked top 10 and he did. There's a reason. And, and I had a you noted here. He said, I heard somebody say that he is the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. It's up there. I mean, you know, Peterson, Barkley, Elliott, and him, I think are probably the four best of the last like 15 years. And you could argue he's, he's better than either Barkley or Elliott were. Um, but moving on, Dad, so that's kind of what's been going on for the Falcons um, recently. So let's get into our other main segments for our game breakdowns. And we're going to start with, hey, now, play nice, uh, which is a section where we say some nice things about the opponent. Now, this was very hard for you last week, I'm sure, with the Bears. You were <laughs> slandering them even in this section. Uh, and I, had... I was talking up one part of the team. By talking down another part of the team, yeah, I was no one, building. No one. I was building that. some of the. <laughs> no one. No one here. I was building you. up how good one part of their team was, but in order to do so, I had to shift the blame right. from that group to another to okay. so that <laughs> whatever helps you sleep at night. But I hope you have an easier time playing nice in this section. <laughs> but Dad, what are some things that you have to say nice about the Falcons? What are what are some compliments you can give them? They're they're a decent team. I think a lot of people had them. Um, in their in that driver's seat to win the NFC South. I know they were a trendy pick for, I think a lot of people call it the football hipster society, uh, was, is what some people... <laughs> I, I was picking the Falcons before anybody else was picking the Falcons. Pretty much, yes. But what are some but nice I, things... You know, you know, I, you know what I say about that? It's like picking a team in the NFC South doesn't matter. We'll see. None of them are good. We'll, I, I don't mean, think any of them are good. You're, you're incurring the... Dad, this is the play nice <laughs> section. And once again, you are incapable of I am saying nice things about our all the other teams. And they're not even a rival. This is not even a rival. I don't know why... I don't know why you feel the need to... I'm slandering the hipsters. These te- ...to burst these teams' bubbles. But anyway, so here's please, what I'll say. say some nice things about the Falcons. I hadn't I had started yet. <laughs> so their running game is elite. You know, so last, um, they were third by DVOA last year. Um, even without much, you know, and that's being very efficient, not just volume, but efficiency without the benefit of, um, a passing game threat that they're still able to move the ball very effectively in the run game without, without kind of loosening up the defense. And then they added John Robinson to that run, run offense, as well. Um, after one game, now this season, so they're they're second in rushing DVOA. Um, and I think you mentioned their last year their adjusted line yards were like second. Last year in they the were league fifth, or something. I like, believe in the league. Oh, in adjusted line yards. Um, oh, last year, offense. by fifth. And this year, after one game, they're they're eighth. I mean, so not surprisingly, the running backs are also doing work. They're not just leaning on the offensive line. They're able to make plays on their own as well. And you could see it in that first game. Both Bijan and um, Algier are making plays with the ball in their hands. And as we mentioned before, he, he looks like, Bijan looks like the real deal in one game. And I think you could see some of the plays he was making um, in preseason as well in training camp. But Algier is no slouch. He had a thousand yards last year as a rookie. I did not. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that until I went back and I looked. Think I was like, I heard, and I yards? didn't get the chance to check it. He may have set the Falcons' rookie record. 
I'm not sure about that, but he had a thousand yards on five. I'm not yards sure of that either. I think I heard somebody say it, but I didn't get the chance to look at it. Um, and I also, you know, the, we were talking a little bit about how I didn't see. There's one thing I did see about the the first game and the first possession when I mentioned um, Atlanta stuffed the Panthers on a fourth and one try. That defensive front for Atlanta on that play resets the line of scrimmage two yards into the into the Carolina backfield. They just totally take over and and just maul them backwards. They had no chance. And I was like, oh, I'd love to see the Packers do a play like that. It's it, it's hopeful. Um, but I do think, you know, if we want to... Well, it's hopeful to, for, hope for Atlanta. That's true. But I was going to say, I hope that the Packers do that is what I meant. But I will say, ah. uh, in terms of what I have nice to say about Atlanta, is that their offensive line is also quite good, and that kind of ties into their run game. Um they have three first round picks and another top 50 pick around the, uh, along the offensive line. So their left tackle, Jake Matthews is a first round pick. Um, their right guard, Chris Lindstrom is a first, first round pick. Their right tackle, McGarry uh, is a first round pick. Their left guard, Bergeron's like the 38th overall pick. So like a very early second rounder. And then their center Dolman's the only one that's like a later round pick. Um, but so three first, so high draft capital, um, by PFF last year, they were first in run blocking and eighth in pass blocking. Um, it's interesting to note that ESPN's metrics, like pass block win rate and run block win rate, have them much lower um, and closer to like middle of the pack. Um, but we're saying nice oh, things e- about even, them. Even, even their run grade. Yes, that's, but that surprises saying, me. We're saying nice things about them. But So PFF had them very highly graded. Like we already said, they were fifth in adjusted line yards by DVOA, um, which we I think we've said like three or four times now. So we're going to try and stop saying it. But yes, yeah, so very good offensive line on paper. Um, very good offensive line last year. Uh, very good both running and in pass protection, but specifically running. Um, and then my other nice thing I had to say about the Falcons is they have a very nice group of skill position players. Now, whether or not they use them very much is a different question, but they have three top 10 picks at the skill positions. Uh, Kyle Pitts, tight end, was a fourth overall pick. Um, Drake London, wide receiver, was the eighth overall pick. And now Bijan Robinson, um, running back, was the eighth overall pick. And that's essentially their last three first-round picks have all been on offense and all in the top 10. Um, Ooh, so first high first round picks used on offensive skill positions. I know, right? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be dare nice? To, just once in a dream. while, dare to dream. But I mean, I think Van Ness looked good in the first game. Is all I'm going to say. Um, he but yes, he t- looked better than he was in, in training camp. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, uh, you know, maybe that's just the Bears. But anyway, this is this is this is kind of the question section. for the week. This is yeah. the question for the week: Are the Packers that good, or are the Bears that bad? Are the, the Bears question. that bad? And this That's is the question the nice that we section. won't know. This is just the be nice section to Atlanta. We no longer have to be nice to the Bears. I mean, but we, yeah, the, we can yeah, see. We have some things about how good the Packers looked and how highly rated they were in week one. Um, how yeah, much does it mean for the season? You can't do DVOA after one. And also week one is, yeah. week one is weird. Yes, but you can't do DVOA after one week either. It's just, it doesn't work. The sample size is not big enough. Um but so yeah, yeah I think at least at least at Football Outsiders they used to do um, a modified DVOA for the first whatever five weeks of the year where they would carry over some of the information from the previous year. I think I have this vague recollection of uh, reading something about how they how they did it for the first half of the year where they're still using some of the information from the previous year. I don't know if that's still in um, the formula now or not. But yeah. But those are the nice things I had to say about Atlanta. Dad, anything else you wanted to add, or should we move on to our next section? 
I guess, you know, in talking about their skill position players, you know, don't, don't forget that Kyle Pitts just had a thousand yard receiving season as a tight end rookie just a couple of years ago. Something that, uh, you know, that's, that's rare. Very rare. And while he had a disappointing season last year, we'll see if he bounces back this year. And, you know, they, We'll talk about it in a bit about whether or not they're actually going to run, actually going to throw the ball that much. That is, but let's yeah. move on to in our next. In terms of disappointing, and some of it is just usage. I think it's disappointing to the fantasy well, community. Yeah, this is not right, a fantasy. But he podcast. may have we're actually moving, we're moving forward. This but I'm saying he may podcast. have actually been playing okay. He just they just weren't, you know, giving yeah. many opportunities. But anyway, moving on to our next section, uh, I'm nervous about. Um, so this is kind of where we talk about how we think some of those advantages for the Falcons might cause problems for the Packers in this game. Um, Dad, the first one I had, you know, it's similar to last week, uh, the run game, except it's even more so because the Falcons actually have a good offensive line um, and better running backs uh, with Bijan and Algier. Um, now, you don't need to worry as much about quarterback running, but, you know, Ritter is still an elite athlete in his own right, and I think not enough people talk about it. Um, 9.54 relative athletic score with a 4.4940 is nothing to sneeze at, and that's from Kentley Platt on Twitter. Um, as we talked about last week in 2022, Green Bay was 31st in rushing defense DVOA per FTN. Um, and if Quay Walker can't play, uh, will McDuffie, Isaiah McDuffie, be able to hang in run defense? He is really small. Um, and coming, so coming out of the draft this is per mock draftable. He was ninth percentile in weight and third percentile in arm length amongst all linebackers. It's the arm length. That's the big one. It's or both. The, the it's, small he's, one. He's no, it's ninth percentile in weight too. Like he's well, tiny. Ninth percentile he's in weight. Very, very small. He's only 220 pounds and he's probably put well, on some weight. I thought he was weight. more than that. No, 225. He's probably put on some weight since then. Um, but still pretty small. Will he just get swallowed up by the Falcons offensive line? That's something to keep an eye on. And you know, the, the Falcons run game is even better. And this is going to be another big test because was it just that the bears offensive line couldn't block anyone? Uh, or is the Packers run defense actually improved because the Packers actually had a pretty good showing in run defense, holding the bears to under four yards of carry in the last game. But we're going to see if that was real or just noise. Uh, and then the other thing I'm keeping my eye on that I'm a little nervous about is Jesse Bates was able to kind of bait and inexperienced Bryce Young into turn uh, two picks in the middle of the field. Um, and we saw in that first game that at times, and in the preseason at times, love can get a little inaccurate in the middle of the field. And you just wonder if Bates will be able to do the same thing. So those are the two things I'm a little nervous about going into this game. Dad, what did you have? Yeah, so basically, it's actually maybe the same things, where it's the run game, obviously. Um, and then, you know, Green Bay was dead last by DVOA in run defense last year or in adjusted and no, um, that was a, I guess adjusted, adjusted line adjusted yards. Line yards. Sorry, they were line yards. smacked. They backwards. were second to the yeah, last, I think in last. overall run. Yeah. But yeah, adjusted line yards. So they did last. And then week one, they were, they were eighth. Um, so we'll see, you know, really hoping they made an improvement, but where does the truth lie? Was that the bears or are they actually better? They made a lot of changes up front in terms of who's getting snaps. Um, so we'll see if yeah. uh, they've actually improved. And then I say, like, I think they're going to need to take attack the middle of the field, something we talked about, how they are attacking the middle of the field more this year than 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 last year with, with Love throwing. But they have to be careful of turnover-worthy plays. And, and Love had at least one last week that wasn't caught by Chicago. There's one where he's a little off target to Dobbs, who deflects it. Um, there's some, I heard uh, comments that they thought it could have been intercepted um, by the Chicago safety if, um, Dobbs didn't get a hand on it. And then I think he got dinged by PFF for what it seemed like 
the deep throw into double coverage to read. It was a little unclear which was the deep left throw that was deemed a turnover-worthy play. But considering that, and I don't know if how if if it's actually a skill on Bates' part to kind of like hide in the defense and, and keep an eye on the quarterback so that he, he's, you know, it is something you could maybe be good, better at to uh, be unnoticed when you were watching the quarterback's eyes or not and, I mean, and, he's, and break he's on the a, ball. He's a very good player. I mean, there's a reason they gave him four years, $64 million this offseason. Like, they paid him a lot of money to come over I've from Cincinnati. I've seen some lists had him like a top five safety um, for this year. Yeah, I'd consider maybe, him a top five safety. Five, five to ten, I think, is what I saw. Between five to ten is what I mostly saw. Um, and so... That's something that I think it's a little bit of a, a push-pull there. We, it's something we want to do, but we've got to be careful with the ball when we do it. Um, yeah. And So you know, that's I something that's a little It's one of those things to me where tension. it's like, you know, you, you bring me this team last year, and I'm like, my goodness, this is what an awful matchup for the Packers. And so if they play defense like they did last year, I'm going to be like, my goodness, what an awful matchup for the Packers. Well, because teams that could just run and sit on the ball were so not fun to play against as a Green Bay fan last year. And you hope, like, I mean, obviously, I don't want to extrapolate too much from week one. But if they play defense like they did in week one and the front gets after it like they did in week one, hopefully they'll be okay and it won't be that big of a deal. But it is something to be nervous about. But, Dad, do you want to move on yeah, to... Yeah, well, I would just say that one of the things we worry about last week is kind of problem is that could happen is will the will our opponent even need to bother to throw the ball to does our pat does an elite pass rush if we you know think we have one but just as a thought exercise even matter if the other team's not going to bother to pass and atlanta is a team that won't bother to pass yeah i think and, if, and that actually kind of leads into my next point in our next section which is exploitable exploitable weaknesses of the falcons they do not want to pass the ball at all. They do not seem to trust Desmond Ritter to throw the ball at least through one week. And so as an exploitable weakness, my question is what happens if they fall in a hole early? Um, so looking at his passing chart from last week on Next Gen Stats, he only had four attempts past 10 yards, which is less than Fields had last week even. Uh, he only had one past 20 yards. And nine of his 15 completions, he went 15 of 18 on the day, so he didn't throw much at all. But nine of his 15 completions were behind the line of scrimmage. So if you thought Fields wasn't throwing the ball downfield much last week, go watch that Falcons game because oh, that man was and, not throwing the rock anywhere. That they didn't, and they t they pretty much took the ball out of his hands at one point. They were like, "All right, we're just not gonna we're not gonna do this. We're just gonna run the ball. We're gonna throw screen passes to our running backs, and we'll be able to win the game that way." And so I think exploitability wise, if you can get them in a hole where they have to make Ritter throw, they still might not do it. They might just be like, well, I think we can come back and just keep running the ball. I think that's an Arthur Smith thing where like he would rather he's he's got that he's got a little bit of a Greg Roman in him where it's like I think he has active disdain for passing the football. Um, that's not real football. Yeah, that's not real football. Give me give me four yards in a cloud of dirt. Um, but yeah, so I think that's an exploitable weakness if they can get to a point where Ritter has to throw the ball because he did not show that he was ready for that, or at least the Falcons show didn't show that they had any desire to have him do that through one week and I think a lot of the optimism around the Falcons was like there's no way Desmond Ritter can be as bad as Mariota was last year and it's like <laughs> we'll see yeah I, I don't think that's off the table yet as far as we can tell we don't know and maybe they're, they're, they're like uh trying to keep uh Desmond Ritter still like you know in mint condition inside the box we're not gonna unpack him 
Um, so it, uh, he's still got value because nobody actually knows <laughs> how good he is because they, they're barely letting him play. I had kind of a similar thing. I think PFF had fields with the, with four yards, uh, kind of whatever they call short and intermediate. Maybe, maybe not as, as far as, uh, what, uh, Ritter was actually throwing it. And when I watched the game, I was like, he only threw one like real pass he completed. And that was the one downfield to, uh, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts that Pitts made a nice catch on. And otherwise, I was like, he's almost doing nothing in, in the passing game during the game. Um, but in terms of my exploitable things, I'd say they're the, on on the Packers defense, the Falcons O-line, oh, at least in this game. So last year they were graded well, but this game they had the third worst adjusted sack rate. Yeah, and that was something by you, DVOA. That was something you had not brought up. So they didn't drop back much. In that game, they only dropped back like 24 times, I think, or something like that, and gave up like four sacks and six pressures and 24 pass yeah. blocking snaps, which is not great. Uh, and Brian Burns was eating their right tackles lunch, you were telling me, which you didn't yeah. bring he up. He was just in the speeding past him. Well, I was, I, was, I was playing nice earlier. We hadn't no, got to this part yet. That wasn't the play nice section. That was before the play nice section. You were, ah, you well, were, I was, you were I was saving it. Fair. I was saving it for this section. Fair, but Brian Burns was eating their right tackle McGarry's lunch, he, and he was yeah, McGarry so, uh, was a good pass blocker last year, which was kind of surprising that he struggled so much this past week. Yeah, so they got like, you know, twenty five percent. So I think, um, yeah, I think by PFF, the Carolinas um, pressure rate was twenty five percent, while Green Bay's was forty eight percent against the Bears. You mean twenty five percent allowed by Atlanta, and then Green Bay had well twenty five percent allowed by Carolina. Atlanta. Yes, by Carolina. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I and Ritter is not going to be as hard to tackle as Fields. He might be athletic, but I was looking at their you know his his running numbers. S- career seventeen carries for sixty three yards, and a lo- career long of sixteen. Yeah, so it's not nothing great. nothing like Fields. No, no, he's not nearly the run of the fields. He's he's very athletic on paper, but he I don't think we've seen him put that to use yet in the NFL, I would say is the nice yeah. way of saying it. And by PFF, like Carolina was able to convert like the 10 of those pressures into, well, six counted sacks. I don't think it's actually six plays with a sack because they had, you know, PFF gives a whole sack to everybody uh, who participates. Yes. No half so sacks. Yeah. I'd have to go back and parse it. I think it may have, I forget if it's four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, plays with a sack. Well, Green Bay only got five out of 36 pressures. So they had more trouble converting those pressures into sacks against Fields, which I think makes some some sense, though. Fields does get sacked a lot. Um, though they had a little trouble tackling him. Though I don't think they had as much trouble tackling the other Bears last week. I thought well, besides I Fields, actually, their they, tackling was, was their decent. Their tackling was actually on paper not great, which we'll, I'll talk about in a later thing. Um, because okay. that's something but I was that wondering I, if that was just Fields. We'll see. Uh, that's something that I think we need to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. But I'll talk about that later because I ran some numbers on that. Um, anything okay. else? That I, have, you... I have a couple other things. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about the uh, the passing in the middle. And even though Carolina gave up those two interceptions over the middle, they also were able to find open space that they had receivers running free in the middle for on a number of plays. And 98 of their 146 yards were, um, were over the middle. And... Um, Young was 11 of 14. <laughs> he only had one pass over the middle that hit the ground. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Sounds good on sounds good on paper. It sounds yeah. good when you say it like that. You should have saved that for the playing nice section. <laughs> although we're not playing Carolina, so fair enough. Um, um, maybe maybe later then, this year you can say that. And then the um, the Falcons' defense last year they are second worst against the pass. Yeah. Um, they were they were second worst against the pass, and we talked about this earlier. They were. Let's see, fifth worst against the run. So they they were bad on both sides of the ball. Yeah, or, and, and, and after week one, they're fourth best against the pass. That's what happens when you get, you know, two picks, two picks. and the your opponent can barely pass the ball. Yeah, that's it's crazy what going against a rookie quarterback in their first start will do. But you know, yeah. they, like we were saying earlier, they made a lot of additions. So we'll see if those additions yeah. are for real. So I was looking a little bit about that. So even after all those additions in the summer, they're ranking as a de- um, defensive as a secondary was in the 20s by you know like 23rd pff 20th i um ftn fantasy a couple other sites i think i saw i didn't go through them all but they all seem to be in like the bottom third of the league um as a secondary and their corners um they've had they they none of their corners last year had a good year they're all below 60 below average they added um, well, I only looked at Trey Flowers, who started last week, and he's had a below coverage grade, below 60, so below average, for five of his six years. And Jeff Akuda, you also added, has been below 60 for all three of his years. I didn't look up uh, yeah. IQs because know, was off my radar. They do still have Terrell, who I think is going to make life hard on, I would assume, Dobbs uh, is probably who he's going to get matched up against. Um, he's one of the better cover corners in the league, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup. So those are things that I think are exploitable. Their secondary has been bad. They've made some additions. I think um, Bates is probably the big one that I, I, gonna, I think have the most make the most difference. I'm not sure if the corners they've added are actually going to improve their secondary or not we'll over see. last year. I, and I think it's certainly something that to keep an eye on because – you know, I, I think it all depends on if Bates can really bait them into throws in the middle of the field that are unwise, and then if Terrell shuts down um, Dobbs, then you know we'll see who else they're going to choose to throw to. Um, but Dad, do you want to move on to the next section, or um, what, do you have? Yeah, we can go on to what we hope the the Packers do. Yeah, so our next section is what we hope the Packers do, which is kind of like how we hope the Packers approach this game. Uh, in terms of taking advantage of weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dad, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so as a defensive philosophy, I'd like to see the Packers stack the box um, and just play man downfield. Uh, I don't think they have... The, Ritter has not shown much ability yet in his career to complete much downfield and to really hurt you very often. And they don't have to worry about having their backs turned to him like they do, like they had last week for fields. Though apparently they played a decent amount of man last week as well, despite that uh, risk. I, I didn't, I saw the opposite. I saw that they were playing zone on like 96% of 
was it that uh, high? Oh, I have to look. Yeah, Somebody was saying that in terms of how they ranked in the league, not necessarily how many they, they did. So I didn't okay. hear a percentage. Because I, I had seen that the Packers actually played zone on what you would expect, like 95 or 90% mm-hmm. um, was what a podcast I was listening to was saying. Now, I didn't I didn't actually check that for myself, yeah. and I probably should have, but that was what I had heard from that podcast. But, but yes, but what I'd say is they don't have – it doesn't come with as much risk this week against Ritter. Um, he, he barely throws downfield. Um, I think I would say actually cause similar to how often Fields is throwing downfield. He contrasts to Love, who threw like 11 downfield passes compared to only four for Ritter last week. So I think they just don't want him to do it. So I think they yeah. he'll be less likely to take the chance when they're they're manning up on uh, the receivers downfield. And then on offense, I'd like to see them involve like as many players try to get crossers across the middle, but also. It looked like Carolina had some difficulty on the outside, um, covering the the outside of the field last year. Um, but one thing I, I and I don't have those numbers at hand at the moment, but they basically were not good against any kind of receiver last year. They are twenty first against wide receiver one, twenty seventh against wide receiver two, the Falcons were. against the Fa- the Falcons were twentieth mm-hmm. against wide receiver three, twenty third against tight ends. But six against receiving running backs hmm. is the one thing that they they covered okay, um, and so I, I want to get like Dobbs, Reed, Watson, Musgrave. Yeah, Hayden all Hurst involved. was Hayden Hurst was cooking them last week a little and bit. And that was yeah. Then Hayden Hurst had a good game against them, and though I was thinking he and I think his catch distribution was pretty widespread. I think some on the outside, some on the inside. Um, he was using a lot of the field. I don't know about downfield, but. They were kind of spreading, spreading yeah. around. And what that DVOA against, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, tight end, you know, I think indicates to me more than anything is, and I, I, I want to verify this, um, but because I, I think AJ Terrell is one of the better corners in the league. It indicates to me that they're not really having him travel that much, I would imagine, and that it might be easier to get Dobbs off of him than, you know, it would against other corners. And that's something I want to double check and we'll tweet out uh, at Father Son Packer. Um, I think later, uh, later when I go double check that, but that's something I want to keep an eye on is how much they actually have him travel. Cause it sounds like with those numbers that they don't have him travel much. Uh, for me, the things that I hope the Packers do, uh, is please, please, for the love of God, tackle well, uh, because I could see a scenario where, you know, the offensive line for the Falcons run blocks very well, gets the backs to the second level. And then, you know, safeties have a hard time with them. Uh, so, PFF last week had the Packers as just the 18th highest graded tackling team in the league. Uh, If PFF grades aren't your cup of tea, which I think is totally fair, sometimes they're kind of all over the place. They can be a little inconsistent. They're just another data point in my opinion, Uh, but just another person's opinion on how the Packers played. Um, But numbers wise, last week, the Packers had 10 missed tackles over 50 tackles made, um, which would give them like a missed tackle rate. So like I I just did missed tackles divided by number of tackles made would have been 11th worst in the league last week. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and then last week, Tyler Algier forced five missed tackles on 15 attempts. Five missed tackles was second in the league amongst all, uh, players. Yeah. Um, it looked like I just, just you know, a quick, quick watch of the game. It looked like he was breaking tackles on just about every play. He, yeah. he had the ball in his hands. And Bijan only had one forced missed tackle, uh, in that game. Hmm. He had fewer touches, but I think I would have given him two or three on that touchdown play. 
play alone. That's I sort of PFF had him marked as, but I I think we all know what he's capable of if you've watched enough of him. And I would not count on him only having one in this game. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing, <laughs> any particular reason why you, know, you uh, think he might have more than one against the against the Packers? Just a feeling, you know, just a just a little, little inkling. Um, but then the other thing is, uh, I would really like to see the Packers run at the edges in this game, specifically at Bud Dupree. Um, so, uh, interior D-line for the Falcons is Onyemata, uh, David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett, uh, and Calais Campbell. Um, now, Onyemata and Grady Jarrett uh, were both very good in run defense last week. They were 14th and 15th by PFF grade. Uh, both did have kind of down years defending the run last year, um, but they've been both very good run defenders in previous years. So... You know, you know they have that in them, and I think last you could argue last year was just down years for them. And then Calais Campbell was 11th in run defense grade last year for PFF. Uh, so that interior trio um, has the ability to be a really good run-stopping group. Uh, and so I hope they run at the edges where Bud Dupree was 67th amongst all edges, just amongst edges, in run defense grade amongst qualifying edges last year. Now, their other... Uh, edge, uh, Lorenzo Carter was actually a pretty good run defender last year. Um, I think he was like 40th, I remember looking up. But Dupree did, Dupree struggled last year defending the run. Uh, so that's something I, I would hope they would do. Um, but yeah, so those are the two that I'm kind of taking a look at. Uh, anything else you wanted to add there, Dad, that you hope that the Packers do? Or should we move on to our don't take your eye off that guy, which is almost our player of the game, but also more like players that need to play well also it's kind of a little bit of yeah i i generally uh have treated it more like a critical player in the game um rather than somebody expect to show out yes well do you want to take it away so my first one we kind of you kind of alluded to this earlier is is quay walker if he plays he's got the size and speed to make stops in the open field if he plays well um and he's been playing well so far. This yeah, he's been looking a lot better this year compared to last year. Can I call a quick and, timeout? Can I call you have five players listed here? I don't think that's fair if you're listing half the defense. <laughs> have you listed half the defense? Oh wait, no, two of them no, are no, still two of, you, you've listed five players, which feels like cheating if we're supposed to be watching <laughs> five players. I, I get that one of them might not play, so you're down to four, but you're treading on you're treading on thin ice, buddy. Let's 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 calm down here. But anyway, continue with Quay Walker. Okay, well then I'll then I'll stick just to uh, just to defense. I mean, go through all of them. You you wrote it out already. Well, I'm just, I'm just giving in, you some crap. in one. So my next one is in some ways one position, um, and that is the the left pass rusher, the left edge, which is seems to be usually Gary, um, sometimes Lucas Van Ness, but not always. But I think that spot. That's where Brian Burns was cooking the Falcons' offensive line, their right tackle. Yeah, McGarris. And he was just speed rushing past him. So that's where Gary rushes from a lot. And Lucas Van Ness has also been coming in from that side when he comes in a bunch. Uh, yeah. Maybe not every time. My question is, was was Brian Burns like feasting on him with speed rushes because he can't handle speed rushes and will – like the more power style of Gary and Lucas Van Ness yield less success? Or are, is he just going to have a bad year this year, I guess, is the follow-up question. It's an interesting point that whether the is maybe particularly susceptible to, that, to the style of edge that Burns is, who is mostly a speed rusher, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the you know power rusher 
that uh, Gary and Van Ness seem to be. But I think it's something something to watch. Uh, is that what the rush that's coming in from that side? I think is uh, something to keep an eye on because it was really blowing up the uh, the Falcons' defense. I'm sorry, the, the Falcons' offense um, last game. Uh, anyone else you wanted to mention there, or do you want me to throw mine in? Why don't you throw yours in now? Okay, well, mine to watch is Devondre Campbell, uh, if Quay Walker can't go especially. Um, last week, I think something we forgot to talk about in the post game for the Bears game was that Quay Walker had pretty much taken over as the single linebacker when they went to those like penny looks with just one linebacker on the field, which is very interesting because, you know, two years ago, that was 100% Campbell's spot. Last year, that was Campbell's spot when he was healthy. Um, it's something to keep an eye on there because, you know, he played really well in that spot two years ago. Uh, and so they're going to need him to return to that form in this game because they're going to need him moving sideline to sideline against the running game of the Falcons, which is very multiple. Uh, and he's going to need to make tackles in space essentially quite a bit, especially if Quay Walker He, can't he play. needs to get back to that almost no missed tackles for a whole season uh, yeah. um, mode that he had two years ago. Yeah, because and, and he's the one to watch because I think he's going to have to be pulling double duty because – I just I think this is going to be a tough game for McDuffie if he has to play a lot. I know McDuffie's played really well in the preseason, and in spot duty has looked like okay at times, like passable, like decent for a third linebacker. But you know, it's a very tough matchup I think for him. Just size wise, it's going to be hard I, to get. I wonder off the if the matchup will change what alignments they use if Walker can't play. I wonder if they just Are go they... solely single linebacker. I wonder. That's what I, I mean. I don't even will, they, know. will they just do a lot of single linebacker with an extra D lineman or maybe a safety? It's it's something to keep in mind. But that was my player to watch. Um, Dad, let's move to overtime, which is kind of just where we talk about things we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. Um, do you want to go first? Um, sure. So one thing we were talking about, the pa- Packers run defense. So, they defended runs by running backs quite well last week. Um, the Bears only had 19 carries for 63 yards, 3.3 per carry. So it was only the field's runs where they kind of pushed it to a better performance. So can they continue that and show that they've really improved over last year? Some of their new, you know, or, or players who are getting additional roles look like they've really improved the defensive front. Wyatt had a great game. Slayton, I think, was playing well on the, against the run. Their ed, the edges were being set well against the run. Um, I think it was only when, you know, kind of uh, broken plays where Fields started scrambling around that th- they were actually able to gain yards. I don't think the, the designed runs for Fields were successful either. It was only as the play spread out and late in the play when he um, goes off script and r- runs downfield that. Yeah, I think they only they really had success in that. They only had like one designed run for fields that I remember off the top of my head. I remember they, they one, and much. it got stuffed at the line. Yeah, it was like a quarterback draw in the fourth quarter. And I was like, okay. Yeah, exactly. This, this is exactly the play I'm remembering. And Ritter isn't can't do that. At least they haven't wanted to even have him try. And he hasn't uh, had, you know, big you know breakout of runs. And then the Atlanta corners we talked about there. I guess there's a little bit of speed there. Terrell is the fastest of the lot with a 4-4-2, though D. Alford is an unknown. Went to a smaller college, went out of the combine, doesn't seem to have a pro day. I can't find a, a 40 time for him anywhere. He's And there there's some bigger corners. He's the smallest at 5'11", but Terrell is 6-1, Flowers 6-3, Okuda 6'1". Um, none of them are fast enough to keep up with Watson if he can play. 
Yeah, but they do um, all run well, four fours. They're not they're not super slow. They're not super slow. Okuda's the slowest at four four eight, though Alfred's un- an unknown. But none none of them are as fast as um, well, at least what the Packers report read to be, or Watson. Also, yes. But yeah, um, for me, the things that I wanted to talk about really quick in our overtime section where we're just kind of throwing some stuff at the wall. Like you said, the young defensive line, I'm really interested to see if they've really made that step, specifically Wyatt, um, if he's really made that step or if it was just the Bears' offensive line was that bad. Uh, A lot, and so, because it would mean a lot to the Packers' defense if Wyatt made that step because, like I said previously, I was very worried about whether or not that pick was starting to look a little dicey. Um, so that's something I'm keeping an eye on. And then the other one is first and second down execution. We talked about this in the post game as a negative. Um, they just faced way too many third and longs last week, uh, and they need to stay ahead of the chains this week. Um, like we said last episode, they faced 16 third downs pre-Clifford time. They averaged eight yards to go on third down. The league average last year was like seven, so a whole yard further. And then six of those 16 were 10 plus yards to go, and you just can't live like that. Uh, it's just not, it's not sustainable. Um, and then the last thing was penalties. Uh, please do not have nine penalties for 90 yards again. Oh. Uh, you can't, you can be chippy in a rivalry game. Don't be chippy every game. It's just like, don't just give them give, a touchdown yes. by letting, the, by helping them march down the field. Yeah. We, we talked about it in the last one, but they essentially gifted, gifted the bears a touchdown just by committing penalty after penalty. They had him dead to rights like four times and let him back in the game essentially. And that's the other thing is you can't give a decent team life. No. When you have them down, this happens. You see this all the time, all across sports. It, you, you're you're winning, you're you're cruising along, you make a mistake, you give the other team some points, score, whatever, and all of a sudden they like Lazarus rising from the dead, and they come back against you. Yeah. When when if you just played just a, a clean game for the rest, it would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of ends our overtime section, Dad. Let's move into wrapping this up here because we're going a little long. The bottom line. uh, This is just kind of a fill-in-the-blank, Dad. Bottom line, Falcons win if blank. What I had was if Algier and Robinson are running wild in the Green Bay secondary, either by by, uh, handoffs or passes. If they are spending time being tackled by our cornerbacks and safeties, that's not good. And mine was the Falcons win if missing Aaron Jones totally tanks the Packers offense. Uh, because I could see that happening. And that uh, would that's just something, be... That's something to worry about. The some, Packers just can't move the ball without without Jones. Yeah. And that's that's my Falcons win if. Dad, bottom line, Packers win if blank. That's like, if they can stop the run and just don't turn the ball over. They don't even, that's I think that's all they have to do in offense is not turn the ball over. And mine was the Packers win if uh, they can jump out to an early lead and force the Falcons to pass to get back into the game. Uh, that was that was how I thought the Packers would win. Um, Dad, score predictions. Uh, mine is, you know, kind of going under the assumption that Jones won't play. Uh, I got Falcons 20, Packers 17. I got, a, I got a loss this weekend, unfortunately, on the road. Apostasy. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's sort of like a heretic. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Um, I have the uh, the Packers winning twenty one ten. Okay, I would I take it. I, think, I, I hope you're right. I hope I'm I. I think the Falcons' offense is actually not really that good. Um, so I guess we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been our pregame for the Falcons game this Sunday. 
keep an eye on the clock. It'll be at 1 p.m. on Sunday, so go ahead and watch for that. We'll be doing a post game afterwards on Monday, so come listen to that. We'll be breaking down everything for the game, hopefully after a Packers win. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, video breakdowns that we find that we find are really good. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So keep up with us there and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. We also put all of our episodes out on YouTube. So if you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, go pack, go, go pack, go.